0: Good morning. So uh, we're going to be continuing the series on Acts that Randy's been working through uh, for the last several weeks. Uh, To review, last week we talked about how the Jewish Christians and the new Gentile Christians were having a lot of tension. They They were butting heads. The Jewish Christians said, we want you Gentiles to follow the law of Moses. We want you to be circumcised. We want you to to do all the things that, that Jewish people should do. And the, the Gentile Christians were like, no, we, we don't need to do that, and we don't want to do that. Uh, so the, there was a lot of tension. So they got a group together in Jerusalem, and James, the little brother of Jesus, he was instrumental in, in bringing a compromise, to, to bringing wisdom to relieve the tension. And he said, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat of strangled animals, and from blood. So he said you don't have to go through all of these things, all these external things when you come to Christ. And then we we reflected on what what are we doing as a church to... Overburden people, to kind of close the doors when they come in? Are we trying to fit them in a a neat little box? And that's where we're going to start off today. Today we're going to look at how Paul takes on Timothy as an apprentice to his ministry. And we're going to look at how then they go forth and are led by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to read, first we're going to read Acts 16, 1 through 5. It says Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer but his father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem, for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So this was a return visit for Paul to Derby and Lystra. Him and Barnabas had gone there about five years before, and they conducted some ministry. And when they were at Lystra, it started out really good. Paul had prayed and healed a crippled man, and the people gathered around and started worshiping him and Barnabas. And they said, no, no, don't worship, worship us. We're just men. Worship God. But then some troublemakers from nearby towns came by and, and stirred the people up against Paul. And they stoned him and left him for dead. And now he's coming back five years later. How, how will he be received? And, and what, what will he see from that fruit, from those seeds he planted years ago? So he comes across Timothy, and it says that Timothy's mother was a Jewish Christian, and his father was a Greek. uh, Timothy and his uh, mother were likely converted on Paul's first uh, missionary journey there. And Paul wants to take him along. And and it seems kind of odd, the first thing he does, he's like, hey, you're coming with me, we're going to circumcise you. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a tough first step. (laughs) And, and it seems contradictory to what James just ruled. He said, he said we don't need to circumcise people. You know, it what, what what is going on here? We see that Timothy wasn't circumcised for legalistic reasons. He wasn't forced to. He didn't, nobody made him and said, You need to do this if you're going to be a good Christian. Timothy did it out of love. He was going to minister to Jewish people in that area. And, and people knew Timothy's heritage. That that his mother was a Jew, so he himself was still considered of Jewish heritage. But they knew he was kind of a renegade Jew. He hadn't been circumcised. So he was considered kind of sketchy. So if if Timothy goes in there and he starts talking to them, they're they're probably going to tune him out. Or if Paul goes in there with Timothy at his side, they're probably going to tune him out. So out of love, Timothy says, we're going to do this external thing to make, it, to make me more appealing to those I'm ministering to. it will help me be more effective in touching them. And this was a, a morally neutral action. You know, it wasn't like he was compromising you know, in some sinful way. He, he was just trying to make himself easily to receive. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the glory or for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. So Paul's saying that there are external things that don't matter to him and they don't matter to Christians. But they matter to the lost. And that we have freedom to make changes and how we present ourselves to reach those that are lost. Hudson Taylor was a uh, ministry or uh, a missionary in the 1800s. He was uh, a from England. And uh, you know, very good looking, you know, young man, very proper, and he he sets out, he arrives in China, and the first thing he does is he ditches his traditional clothing and he starts dressing like like a Chinese uh, like the Chinese man and he grew a pigtail. On top. And and he received a lot of resistance from the other missionaries there, from people in his denomination. You know, that was not the proper English thing to do. But the the, the missionaries that were already in China had been struggling, they weren't making those connections. But once uh, Hudson dressed like that, learned their language, God opened a door for a tremendous ministry in China. So I, I'm wondering, what are the things? What, what is our approach to this? Are we receptive to people doing things that are a little different? I'm going to use. A, I want you to imagine for a moment that the Quitaquits, Travis and Katie, get it on their heart to start a biker ministry. They don't, they don't look like bikers, and they probably wouldn't get make a whole lot of ground ministering to bikers like that. So uh, let's say next week, you know, they, they come in, they're all dressed in leather, you know, he's got a, a, a bandana on, and tra- Travis has got this long, ch- you know, big chain to his wallet, you know, because he wants to, to, to connect to those people, they'll, they'll, they'll gravitate towards him if he looks the part. What would our attitude be if they show up like that? Would, would we embrace that? Would we say, yeah, you're, you're, you're going for it, you know, way to go. Or would we say, wow, these, they're, they're, they're kind of crazy. I uh, hope this is just a phase. <laughs> or, or maybe you're okay if it's Travis and Katie doing it, but what if it's your own kids doing something a little different? What if it's your parents? Would you be open to that? So Paul's saying, if there's things we can do to win the lost that we're free to do them. The section ends with a progress report. It says that the stir- churches were strengthened in faith and increasing in number daily. And, and I'm not surprised by this. They had been going through this whole tent, you know, headbutting, and now Paul and Timothy, they're going around, they're delivering this news about how the, you know, they don't have to follow the Jewish law or the Gentile law, that, that they just follow God's law. And now these people don't have to worry about that anymore. They can focus on the more joyous aspects of their life in Christ. So next week we look at uh, Acts 16, verses 6 and 7. And they start out on their journey. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, They tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So, Paul, Silas, Timothy, and most likely Luke, they left Lystra and traveled northwest. And they were traveling on foot, and they they traveled hundreds of miles. And typically, they would stop at all the towns along the way and and share the good news. But this time, they, they were prevented from. From doing that. They just had to keep traveling day after day without doing the ministry that, that they had on their heart to do. And they wanted to go to uh, Bithynia, and, and they said no. Have, have there been times that, that you've had something noble to do? That you wanted to do so bad, but it didn't happen? God said no. You know, maybe. You didn't have enough. Maybe the funding never came through. Maybe you didn't have enough money, or maybe your health prevented you from doing that thing. Circumstances might change. Sarah and I had that with our with our adoption. Five five years ago, we, we signed up to try to adopt um, one or two children from Ethiopia. It seemed noble and good. There was five mi- there were five million orphans in Ethiopia. You know they they need families. And we spent two and a half years on this waiting list. And it started out good. You know, God was providing, you know, some of the money that we needed for this. But then it just, boom. In May, uh, two and a half, May 1, we had a conference call, and uh, they said, no, we're, we're closing the program. No, no child, no refunds, and a lot of disappointment. When God closes doors, it's easy to stay focused on the closed door. To, to, say, focus on the disappointment and, and all those unanswered questions you have. You know, what, what about those people in Bithynia or the people they came across, you know, as they traveled? You know, what, what's going to happen to them? They're not gonna, are they not going to hear the, the good news? So let, let's look at, uh, at, at Paul's response and what happens next. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I see three things that they did, that they accepted the reality of the closed door. This is not God's plan right now. I'm going to accept that. They stayed aware of the new doors that God was opening. You know, if, if all you focus on is your disappointment, you're not going to see all the other things that are going around or all these other things God has in mind for you. And they responded with urgency when an opportunity came up. You know, it would be easy, like for, for Sarah and I, we, we might feel burned with the adoption. If God puts something big on our heart, are we going to be willing to act with urgency Or are we going to be gun shy? Are we going to trust that God will be faithful with this next next thing He puts on our plate? Another great example of someone being told no by God is King David. If you look in 1 Chronicles 17, he he says to his the prophet Nathan, he says, I've just completed my palace. It's it's wonderful. The ark of God is being held in a tent. That's not right. I want to build God a magnificent temple. And at first, Nathan says, yeah, go, do what God put on your heart. But the next morning, Nathan comes back and says, no, I heard from God. You're not the one. Someone else is to do this job. And if you look, look ahead into uh, 1 Chronicles 22, you see David's long-term response to this. He didn't interpret this as a no. He interpreted it as not building the temple God said, no to me building the temple, but yes to me preparing the temple. It says that throughout his life, he took great pains to accumulate wealth and treasure to donate to the temple. It says he called all the people around and all the wise people, and he said, listen, my son Solomon, he's young. He's inexperienced. He doesn't really know what he's doing. He needs your help. So he gathered up all these people to support the one God had called for that. And he also told Solomon his story. He told them about how, how God had placed this passion on his heart and how important it was to build the temple, but that he wasn't allowed to do it. And he reminded Solomon that he was a man of destiny, that he was the man for the job at this time in this place. So, he, so Solomon got the privilege of building the temple but David's response to being told no—what was what enabled the building to be so successful? So that one of the problems with closed doors is our limited human perspective. We don't know what the future holds. God does. We don't know where danger is. But God does. We don't know what God's plan is for other people. But God does. And we do not know what is most urgent in God's eyes. When we look at this story of Paul, Silas, and Timothy, and the early church, we get the privilege to look back at it in hindsight, where we see everything that played out. We don't get that luxury in our own lives. So if, as you keep reading the Bible, you'll see that... Um, Later on in chapter 16 and 17, they enter Macedonia and they have a tremendous ministry there. And maybe Brandy will talk about that next week. Maybe. But they had a tremendous impact and so it's clear that they were in the right place at the right time doing what God had for them. We don't know what would have happened if they would have went to those places they were forbidden. They might have gotten frustrated. They might have gotten injured the people's hearts might not have been ready for the message. Uh, we also ask, you know, what about those people in Asia and Bithynia? You know, doesn't God love them? If you uh, read 1 Peter, it starts out with Peter saying that his letter is to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter was the right person to minister to those people when the right time came. Isaiah 55 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God has a plan, and it often differs from ours. Lord, give us the strength to recognize that, that when our plans are different, it's because yours are better. Uh, last week, uh, Sarah and I met somebody new. She didn't know anything about us except that we went to River of God Church. And she came up and uh, she, she had something on her heart to share with us. And she said um, that it is so important to recognize and accept the closed doors. They can be just as important as the open ones. And many times God closes doors for our own protection. And then she read Revelation 3, 7 and 8. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door. That no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. She didn't know I was going to be talking about open and closed doors. I didn't know I was going to be talking about opened and closed doors. But it was uh, it was touching and appropriate, you know, for our our story too with adoption. So we see uh, two, two major truths this morning. We see that there is freedom and how we present ourselves for the betterment of others. We don't have to look a certain way. We don't have to fit in this little box. We're free to be who God called us to be. You know, and I, I ask you to reflect on, you know, if there's, is there anything in, in your life that isolates you from a group of people? You know, just chew on that this week. You know, if you're having trouble, you know, if connecting with a group of people, see, you know, is there something i could do different to connect with them. And are we open to the changes other people make? You know, let's let's try to encourage that if if we have somebody that that wants to reach, you know, punk kids with like, you know, spiky colored hair and they try to look the part, let's let's try to embrace that and say you're going to be touching people that are lost for God's kingdom. The second truth is after God closes a door, We can expect him to open a different one. You know, while we're disappointed, you know, it's important to stay attentive and available for the new opportunities God puts before us. You know, the devil will try to twist things, he'll try to make it personal. He'll say, God closed that door on you because you weren't good enough for that. He didn't believe in you, so he wants someone else to do it. He'll tell you lies, he'll he'll ruin your confidence, and he'll tell you that, that you can't trust God in the future. You know, he's going to burn you. And we've got to renounce those lies. We've got to ask God to strengthen our faith. If we're hurt, ask God to help us with that, to trust that, that yes, you do have a plan. And when, when you say no, I need to interpret it as not this, but something else. You know. And if all, if all we focused on in our life was our, our failed adoption, it would be very bitter and hard. And it was. You know, when I would see people adopting kids shortly after that, where they could do what we wanted to do, I couldn't sincerely celebrate with them. It was too hard. It was too fresh. But eventually I gave that to the Lord. And once I took my focus off my disappointment, I was able to see different purposes, different opportunities that God put in my life. And once you walk through an open door, a lot of that hurt just kind of washes away. And lastly, I want you to know that you don't need to be filled with worry or regret that you haven't done enough for God. If you feel that God hasn't really opened a door for you of any significance, if you haven't done enough, it's okay. Our relationship with God is not based on what we do for Him. He calls us to, to live fruitful lives and to build His kingdom. But our salvation and our peace with God is based on what Jesus did for us on the cross. So you can can let go of that burden, that feeling of being insignificant or missing those opportunities. You can just let that go. God loved me whether I adopted or not. And God loves you whether you've started a tremendous ministry or if you've done Pretty much nothing for his kingdom up until now. He loves you because you're his child, and we should praise God for that. So, if you're dealing with disappointment, hurt, you no know, embarrassment from not being able to do something from from having that door closed, you know, I believe it's time to deal with that today, to to be set free. You know, you don't need to be a prisoner to that anymore. And as the the praise team, you know, plays a song, you know, as we close, you know, I want the prayer teams to to come up here and, and, you know, if if that's something you want prayer for, you know, to just let it go and let uh, the peace of God come into your life and that disappointment to wash away, I invite you to come up. But I also invite you to come up if you have anything on your mind. Uh, Paul tells us in uh, Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. I take that as a promise. If we bring it to the Lord, our troubles, that he can bring peace to our hearts and minds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it may be easy for Aaron to say, yeah, well, we don't have those adopted children we were hoping to have. Easy for him to say that, oh, praise God, because he's got little Elijah now. He got that little boy the (coughs) traditional way, I think is the way you said it, right? Um, The old-fashioned way. The old-fashioned way. Is that what you said? The old-fashioned way. Okay. But maybe there's some people here today who are still waiting and still looking at that closed door. So that picture of that little boy standing by those doors. Maybe that's the way you see something in your life yet today. You're standing by those big doors and there in no way you're going to open those doors. But if that's all you're seeing, you need to need to turn around and maybe look at some other doors. And see, maybe there's another way that God wants me to go today. And